0: Good morning. Test, test this microphone. I'm going to try to talk loud, loudly, loudlier, uh, so that it can pick up on the recording. So good morning. My name is Jamie, and um, if you're watching this on Facebook or if you're hearing my voice on the podcast, uh, welcome to church. You're at church, and we love you, and we miss you, And we are praying with you for a good end, a God end to this crisis. Amen. And let's just go ahead and address uh, my hair. Okay? Because I know you're probably commenting. I know what it looks like. I know what it looks like. And uh, I'm fine with it looking like Bruce Springsteen and Pat Benatar's love child. It's fine. It's good. It's It is what it is. We're going to get through this together, and you're going to see me looking like this. And honestly, dress for the apocalypse you want. If you're not using this time to look like an 80s music video or a Mad Max movie, I don't know what you're doing with your life. (sighs) No, but really, let's pray. (laughs) Let's pray before they pull the plug. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your peace, and help us to hear your truth today. Amen. Okay, So we're still in the season of Easter, and today is Good Shepherd Sunday. And um, the last time I got to preach on Good Shepherd Sunday, it was in 2017. And since we have lost all meaning of time, I think that was 10 years ago. (laughs) And I thought about just rehashing that sermon again, Um, because it's the same lectionary reading from three years ago. But instead of uh, preaching on the gospel from John 10, uh, this year I'm going to mix it up and do the psalm, because that's the kind of variety I have in my life. Um, So since it's Good Shepherd Sunday, and I'm doing a psalm, I bet you can guess which psalm I'm going to talk about. Psalm 155. So turn in your Bibles. Just kidding. There's not a Psalm 155, and you should know that. It's Psalm 23, a classic. And um, actually the thought of preaching on this psalm, Psalm 23, is intimidating because everybody is so familiar with it. And and it's just so good, right? It stands on its own. It's short and sweet. And there's nothing worse than someone, I mean, than something being so good just by itself. And then someone comes along and over-explains it and sort of drains it of any interest or joy. And um, also, the 23rd Psalm, it's so familiar to us that I think sometimes we can kind of skim it, you know, or, or we halfway listen to it. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. I know, I get it. But I had a great pastor growing up, and he would say that often people read the scriptures like it's a newspaper, you know, like slightly with dread. (laughs) Like, oh, what's it going to say this time? They skim it, right? They just hit the high points, check the scores. Uh, But he said uh, we should read it like it's a love letter, because it is. And how differently we read a love letter, right? Because God's word is never stale. Right? It's our hearts that get stale. So if you notice that you avoid reading scripture because either you think you know it all or it's boring now, uh, if you think you don't need it, please accept that for the giant red flag that it is and ask for help, right? Uh, Because the word is God's love letter to you, and he wants you to read it intently and with expectation. And also... Like, I realize that newspapers and love letters are references that younger people might not be able to relate to at all. So, for you younger ones, substitute clickbait for newspaper and substitute a text from your crush for love letter, right? And I guarantee you, all the young people are like, cool, got it. And all the older folks are just cringing, like, oh, that sounds sad and hollow, a text. And the Gen Xers are just really tired. (laughs) We're so tired. (laughs) Okay, so let's look at the psalm, and let's take it in. And even though it's really familiar, like, let's read it with the expectation that God is talking to us today. Okay, I wrote this. With the smallest pen that I had. Apparently, I can't read this. I know. <laughs> now, it should come as no surprise to you that Psalm 23 comes between Psalms 22 and 24. <laughs> this is this is not a secret. And um, but I, and I bet you do too. I bet you have a habit of reading one psalm and then kind of walking away. I do it right? I can only chew on so much at once. I rarely read more than one at a time. And then I never really connect any of them together. But um, one of the commentaries I was looking at, um, and we should really nerd out about some Bible commentaries sometimes. You guys put your favorite ones on there. Let me see what you guys are looking at. But there's two that I come back to uh, more often than not. And not because I enjoy reading them. I don't enjoy <laughs> reading a Bible commentary. I'll admit that. But, um, but these two I go back to most often because I don't have anything in common with these authors. And the first is Matthew Henry. You guys know Matthew Henry. He's a classic. Right? He was a dude. He lived in the 1600s. There wasn't an America yet. Okay? That's how long ago this was. And so um, he kind of talks a little like Shakespeare, you know, easier than Shakespeare. And if he has any kind of agenda, like my 21st century brain and eyes, don't see it, don't read it. I, I don't know what, you know, if he's trying to, you know, fit something in there. Um, I don't recognize it. He just has really good classic stuff to say. And um, if I don't have anything in common with a British dude in a powdered wig... From the 17th century. Then I really don't have anything in common with the other guy I read. And don't laugh. It's Vernon (laughs) McGee. Jim's like, really? (laughs) I know. He was a radio evangelist from like the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Mm -hmm. And his commentary is called Through the Bible. T-H-R-U. The Bible. So already. Already. It is super old fashioned. Um, It's really old fashioned and it's corny in an old fashioned way. You know, it's like kind of folksy, which is cute. I like it when he calls people friends. He's like, my friend, let me tell you, you know, and it's cute, Um, but he is super condescending. Like he just burns me up sometimes when I read it. I get frustrated, but I think it's important to read and listen to voices that don't sound like my own voice. Um, So, if you've ever heard me preach, and if you were ever impressed by a thought or an idea I expressed, um, I stole it from one of those two guys. Or anti Wright, obviously. (laughs) So, credit where credit's due. It was Vernon McGee who gave me a fresh look on this very familiar psalm. And he makes the point that Psalms 22, 23, and 24 are Messianic psalms. They're about Jesus. And they represent the past, the present, and the future. In 22, he's our savior dying on the cross. And in 23, he's our shepherd for today. And in 24, he ascends to his throne, and he is our king. So he puts it like this. It's really catchy. In 22, we have the cross. 23, the crook. And not a thief, but like a shepherd's staff crook and 24 the crown isn't that good (laughs) so good the cross crook and crown so i'm going to read psalm 23 with a fresh heart for it by reading some of 22 and then some of 24 with it so psalm 22 david starts with my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from saving me I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. In you, our fathers trusted, and you delivered them, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, From my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for the trouble is near, and there is none to help I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, melted within me. I am surrounded by dogs and enemies, and they mock me, and they divide my garments among them. But you, O Lord, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword. Save me from the mouth of the lion." You who fear the Lord, praise him, glorify him, and stand in awe of him. He has not despised the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face. He heard his cry. My praise comes from you. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Posterity will serve him, and every generation will proclaim his righteousness. So in Psalm 22, we have our Savior, and because of his death and resurrection, we all, rich and poor, we eat and praise and are satisfied. And we proclaim his righteousness. Righteousness. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, that psalm is so good. Every part of it is good. We could go line by line and just mine it for gold, all the gold. and that's kind of what I thought I'd do today. But uh, but when I kept reading those psalms together, I found that my mind this time it didn't focus on the green pastures or the valley of the shadow of death and not even on the comfort of the shepherd's rod and staff, you know, which are his guidance and correction and protection. And those things they're awesome and wonderful but those things that I usually see in this psalm, they faded into the background when I read 22 and 23. Because what I noticed in both of them was the eating. I don't know, maybe I was hungry <laughs> when I was going over this. Or maybe I just miss eating meals with my family and friends right now. You know, the social distancing and isolation this virus is robbing us. It's taking life. and for some it's taking food. And from all of us, it is stealing the faces and the smiles and the laughter and the sharing of being together. Because you know, you could have a, a table piled with grandma's fried chicken and hot yeast rolls, like dripping with melted butter. Or maybe your grandma was Italian or something. Like maybe it was more like beef ragu with like fresh garlic bread. And all the cake and all the pie. But if you're the only one there to eat it, like that might be cool for a minute. <laughs> I won't lie. That might actually be all right for just a minute. But without other people, it's not a feast. It's just a lot of food. And it's going to spoil But in Psalm 22, because of our Savior, in verse 26, it says, The afflicted, the meek, the poor, shall eat and be satisfied. Not just one afflicted person, right? Or not just the meekest or just the poorest, but all of them. They all eat and are satisfied. It says, All who seek him, seek the Christ, the Savior, they shall praise the Lord. And then David adds this blessing to it. May your hearts live forever. And in verse 29, David writes, all the prosperous, the wealthy, the rich of this earth will eat and worship. So it's a feast. And he ends it saying that the generations will proclaim the righteousness of the Savior Each generation will tell the next generation. And it doesn't matter your rank or your status, if you're rich or if you're poor. There's a feast everyone is invited to. And in Psalm 23, David continues to praise Jesus, right? He goes from Jesus the Savior to Jesus the Shepherd. But at the end of the Psalm, there's that feast again, right? In verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil; my cup overflows. And you might at first read it like He's going to give us this feast, and our enemies are going to have to sit there and watch us eat and party with our cups just sloshing over with really good wine or Dr Pepper, you know, whatever you like. But uh, but come on, this is Jesus. This is our Shepherd, the one who guides us and teaches us. In Matthew five the Sermon on the Mount, verse 43, he tells us to love our enemies and then to pray for them. And he says the sun shines on the evil and the good and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And do you understand that if you pray for your enemies, and I mean really pray, I don't mean like, Lord, I sure wish they didn't suck so bad at life. Can you do something about them? Like, don't pray like that. Or you know what? If you need to start there, that's fine. (laughs) Okay? I take it back. You can pray that prayer because God's going to show you something when you pray that prayer. I guarantee it. He's going to be like, because I prayed that. I'm not going to lie. Like, how do you think I know to write that down? He's like, oh, Jamie, I see. You think that they are bad at life. Okay. Well, let me tell you then how hard their life is. It's bleak. Let me show you how bleak it is. And let me show you how generation after generation of love without me in it looks. Your enemy doesn't have the tools and the love and the relationships that you have benefited from. So, yeah, she's bad at life in a different way than you are. Yeah. And that is his rod and his staff comforting me. <laughs> Pray it again. (laughs) But all kidding aside, if you earnestly start praying for your enemies, the ones that you hate and the ones who hate you, I promise you will not see them as enemies anymore. God will break your heart for your enemy if you're brave enough to ask for it. And then... We feast together, one generation to another, and all of our cups overflow. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all of our days, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let's talk about the house of the Lord. That's, that's Psalm 24, okay? And it starts, the earth is the Lord's and all that fills it, the world and all those who dwell therein. And we are part of that, right? All of God's creation. And David asks in verse 3, who will ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. So, remember our Psalm trilogy. 22 was Jesus the Savior. 23, Jesus the Shepherd. And now in 24, we have Jesus the Sovereign. He is our King of glory. David says the earth is the Lord's, everything that's in it, including all of us humans. We belong to Jesus. And he asks, who will go up the hill of the Lord? Who's going to stand in his holy place? And I just assume there's going to be a feast up there, right? (laughs) But we have a choice to seek out our king, shepherd, savior, to be part of the generation that tells the next generation of his righteousness, And it's not just that we're his, but to really seek being part of this kingdom, we need clean hands and a pure heart. These hands aren't mine. And your hands aren't yours. They belong to the king. And our hearts are not our own. They belong to the king. And our tongues are not ours. They're his. So if you don't remember anything else from the sermon this week, like remember that. Your hands and heart and tongue and soul are not yours, they belong to your king, your savior, your shepherd. And David tells us Jesus is the king of glory. Verse 7 Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors. So, let's sum up. Jesus is our good shepherd. And Psalm 23 is a classic, right? And scripture doesn't go stale. But this psalm has been made more rich when we read it with Psalms 22 and 24 because we get the cross and the crook and the crown. And Jesus saves us And he leads us, and he feeds us. And because we are his, we tell the next generation about our Savior, right? All right, amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word, your love letter to us. Will you forgive us? our stale hearts, and will you fill them with expectation? And thank you for sending your Son for us. Jesus, you are our Savior and our Shepherd and our King. We thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for leading us and protecting us and correcting us. We know your voice, and we will follow you through green valleys and dark valleys, because we trust you and we know that you are leading us to your feast. And Holy Spirit, will you help our fresh hearts be part of this generation who leads the next generation? We want to invite as many as we can into this feast given to us by Jesus so that all of our cups overflow with the goodness from him. And will you please break our hearts for our enemies? We say that our hands and hearts and tongues and souls are yours, King Jesus. And We love you and we trust you. Amen.